Welcome to I Change the Narrative, a podcast for and about Black men inspiring, supporting, and empowering Black men and Black boys. This episode of I Change the Narrative is sponsored by So Organic, So Suave, also known as Sauce. Sauce is a luxury hair care and skin care refuge for those with thick hair and melanin-rich skin. From healthy beard growth to top of head hairstyling to an illuminating skincare regimen, Sauce Essentials will naturally enhance your outer appearance to strengthen your inner confidence. Sauce invites you to accept the authenticity in real self-care and embrace your best. You can find Sauce's award-winning grooming essentials online at SOSSD. Dot co. Again, that's S-O-S-S-D dot C-O. You can also follow Sauce on Instagram for the latest in product news and updates at S-O-S-S-D dot C-O. Again, that's S-O-S-S-D dot C-O. Elevate your grooming with Sauce today. So, gentlemen, 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 thank you so much um, for being here. Today's topic is whole Black men equal whole Black families. And the purpose of this conversation is to self-improve, become a better version of yourself as a Black man. So before we start the conversation, I want to ask our guests to briefly tell us about yourself and the work that you're involved in that lends itself to the topic or the lived experience. Starting with you, Mike. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for the invite. I'm extremely excited to jump on I Changed the Narrative because really I think as we evolve and as we grow as a people, it's all about rewriting or, re or changing that particular narrative. And it starts with us, right, individually. And so uh, myself, I'm Mike D, Coach Mike D, uh, sometimes considered Mike D, Mr. Double Down on You, and I'm a podcaster, I'm a personal development coach, but my heart is in the personal development and growth of Black men specifically, because we need it. We need brothers who speak our language. We need um, examples in, in the context that we can understand that directly speak to our experiences, but then also understands some of the plights and issues that we faced, you know, generationally and really talking through and communicating through, but then also living through those things so that we can move forward and make the future better. And so again, you know, Black Fathers Now is my podcast. That's where you can find me. You can hear conversations that I've had with brothers from all over the world. And, um, you know, I'm walking in my purpose, but I thank you for the opportunity to be here. No problem. Thank you for joining us. Mr. Blade. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Nope. Are you able to hear me now? Yes. 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 Yeah, okay. yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity of having me. Um, my name is Malik Blade, and I'm the CEO of the Whole Brother Mission. Uh, we're a 501c3, a nonprofit uh, that connects men with mental health services nationwide. Uh, our focus is black men, but we won't turn anyone away. But we have a specific focus on black men in particular, 
as we have identified uh, some cultural norms that may uh, stigmatize mental health so that men may be less likely to seek additional support services when they uh, feel as though that they are going through something difficult. Uh, so we wanted to break that stigma around mental health and emotional support, but also break down the barriers that tend to keep men from pursuing, which sometimes are finances. Uh, so in addition to having a network of 3,000 mental health professionals that we connect men with, uh, we also cover fees for those that meet the requirements. So if someone's seeking out a therapist or a counselor anywhere within the United States, uh, and if they meet the requirements, in some cases unemployment, but also being uninsured, we do fundraise aggressively uh, to cover fees for brothers in need. I can't hear you now. She's muted. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's all good. For coming on the show. Um, the first question that I had, and um, Malik, I was telling uh, Mike that this is a conversation, so feel free to jump in where needed. Um, this is not an interview. so. My first question to you both is what does it mean to be whole as a black man? Yeah, so I always say uh, that wholeness isn't perfection, but it is optimum health. And I think that uh, there's a point where we can get where we are at least able to understand our emotions to a certain extent and articulate them in a healthy way. So I established that as the base level barometer for uh, wholeness, but also for readiness for relationship. Uh, oftentimes we put ourselves out there in the public space for career purposes, or we jump out there relationship wise without having those two things in order. And I do think that is the starting point for things that tend to fall apart. We think about divorce rates and broken relationships. I mean, yes, people say it goes to finances and things of that nature, but in my experience, uh, oftentimes there's a communication breakdown. Mm -hmm. And that communication breakdown can be tied to a lack of emotional health, a lack of emotional awareness, mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So I do think, uh, in terms of what we're striving for in defining wholeness, it's at least having that awareness of your emotional health and uh, the basic skill set and being able to communicate things directly rather than indirectly. And I say that uh, for men, I'll speak to, for men and women, for men, sometimes indirect communication ends up being our go around instead of direct communication. So what that looks like is, uh, is there something wrong? <laughs> no, I'm good. You're being indirect about what's mm -hmm. going on. So we're never going, going to get to the issue. Same thing with women. Sometimes it may be a, a cold shoulder or things that, you know, that we do that we pick up along the way. But these things aren't healthy and they don't set you up for wholeness and togetherness. So we, I, I would say it starts there. Mm, that is powerful, man. And, um, and I'd like to definitely piggyback on what you mentioned earlier regarding um, perfection. And, you know, I use a quote routinely when I'm coaching brothers and perfection is not a requirement for greatness. 
-hmm. perfection is not a requirement for greatness. And so when you stop and you understand that and you give yourself the grace and space to be imperfect, you know, I always like to think about, you know, how can we connect the dots? And again, speaking to brothers, you know, I think back to CeeLo Green's title of his album back in the day, CeeLo Green and his perfect imperfections. Like the only thing perfect about us are our imperfections. And the thing is, the moment that we can lean into those, the moment that we can understand who we are and the moment that we can really establish our identity, that's the basis from which we can legitimately start to become that whole individual. But it starts with that identity, that identity. And one of the things that I'm learning throughout this process is that a lot of us struggle with identity. Right. A lot of us struggle with coming to grips with who we are, the good, the bad and the ugly. And, you know, one of the things that I like to to use from an analogy perspective or an example perspective is, you know, when you think about a jigsaw puzzle, you have 500 pieces to that puzzle. If you give somebody one piece to that puzzle and then you ask them, OK, with this one piece, can you tell me what this puzzle becomes? Nobody can tell you what that 500 piece puzzle becomes by looking at one piece. Right. And so you can't define that 500 piece puzzle by one piece. On the flip side, that 500 piece puzzle is incomplete without all the pieces. So the good, the bad, the ugly, when we start to come to grips with who we are, we can accept that we really get a firm understanding of our identity. Then we have the capacity to be whole. But, in, but like my man Malik mentioned, we come into relationships. We go in to communicate with other individuals. We bring other people in and we bring them into a bucket with holes in it. So they're pouring water in, but it's falling out the bottom because we're not whole ourselves. So to me, wholeness is the recognition of the fact that perfection is not a requirement for greatness, giving yourself grace and space to be imperfect. But then on the flip side of that is really having a firm understanding of your identity. Once you've come to grips with that, once you've accepted that, once you look at this puzzle and realize the good, the bad and the ugly is incomplete without without any of without all of these pieces. But I'm not defined good or bad by any one of these pieces then I have the capacity to be whole and then we can move forward. Excellent, excellent. So how talk to our 20 and 30 year olds as far as the identity um, piece, Mike, please. Okay, so when, when you think about identity, um, a lot of times we are shaped by our experiences, right? how we see the world, how we view the world, in a lot of instances are influenced by the things that we've experienced. But when you come back to it, you have to really start with a framework. And to me, that framework is belief. What do you believe in, right? So whether we're talking from a spiritual perspective, your viewpoint on the world, how you fit into this thing, your belief structure is literally the root to everything. And that's kind of the framework in which you build upon because how you believe things are is pretty much how you're going to then approach things. So that's the view, the lens through which you're going to view the world. And so when you think about your belief, you have to understand it's like, okay, what are my beliefs? Why do I believe them on a regular basis? How am I practicing or reinforcing those beliefs? And then finally, how am I putting those beliefs to test? So again, whether you're talking spiritually, whether you're talking how you view other people, your position in the world, your, your racial setup, your gender setup, whatever it may be, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? How am I practicing or reinforcing those beliefs? And then how do I put those to the test? Because the thing is, if your beliefs cannot stand up to testing, you need to come back to the drawing board and really reevaluate your whole belief structure to begin with. And that's part of the equation, part of the equation that a lot of people don't really. Well, that's basically a step that a lot of folks never get to. We believe what we believe. We know why we believe it and we practice it. 
but we never put that belief to the test. And it's kind of like the whole straw man fallacy, right? When you have something that is an opposing view, you bring the least, you know, optimal opposition to the table and you build this thing that you can easily defeat so that, you know, you look good with your belief structure. My whole thing is we should actually not go with a straw man philosophy, but a strong man philosophy. If I really want to test my belief structure, if I really want to test who I am, why I believe something, I don't want to come with the the most easily defeat defeatable opposition. I want you to bring the best to me so then I can really test my belief structure against that. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, we step into anything from the perspective of, you know, maybe I am wrong, but everything from an identity perspective starts with your belief structure. And then, you know, I have a triangle that we go through and then it moves into your uh, integrity decision-making, and then openness and intention. And then from there, we build on other steps to move forward, to really fr develop the framework of who you direct, who you really are, and really understanding your identity. Malik? Could you repeat what your follow-up question was? Um, my question was um, for our 20 and 30-year-olds. Year um, how does that, how do we help them, them to identify um, wholeness within themselves. Mike said, you know, gave us a, a, a bit, but I just want to zero in on those 20 to 30 year olds for a second, because they are moving up and, you know, they're, they're discovering themselves. And of right. course, our 40 year olds are they're discovering and still discovering themselves, but mainly, right, <laughs> mainly for our 20 and 30 year olds. Yeah, no, that that's uh, a great way to frame it. Uh, I would say I appreciate the question because uh, I come at this from the perspective that there was or may still be a stigma around seeking mental health services and support services or even just work in general, emotional work for men. Um, but I'm recognizing that that was somewhat generational. That was more common for, I would say, maybe the 40, 45 and up crowd because 95% of the men across the nation that reach out to us for services are in that 18 to 35 age bracket. Excellent. So it's so that it seems as if though that whole strong man, I'm good, you know, mentality may not be there as much. And there's definitely some, so much more openness. Uh, so I would say I would applaud them for that. Wholeness is a uh, being willing to acknowledge when you're not okay and recognizing it's okay to not be okay. okay. But then I would also add, uh, in this day and age, uh, of course we know social media is very uh, popular and influential. Yes. So I would say wholeness in light of the current age for that demographic is uh, being an influencer rather than the influency. Uh, when as it relates to social media so if you're who you are you can engage online and present who you are honestly uh, rather than allowing what you see to shape your content online or even your personal life so I think that may be the barometer uh, a more practical barometer for wholeness in the present day because unfortunately uh, I think there there is a level of of a uh, lack of security if nondescript people uh, that you don't know are framing and shaping your view of the world. Uh, but even more so, 
for the gentleman um, beyond the social media platforms, I'll say even YouTube too. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of content creators uh, on YouTube who are becoming uh, fathers mm -hmm. in effect for some men. So I would say um, it's important to manage social media well for your own personal wholeness and wellness. And managing that well would be having your own personal group and your real life of people to influence and frame how you think rather than these uh, caricatures online. Mm. But also uh, not necessarily, I mean, you can pick up and learn from things online, but don't allow, uh, again, the caricatures caricatures online to influence you on a deep personal level because those aren't deep personal relationships so we've, we've confused connection with intimacy we're connected but we don't really have intimate relationships with the people we're connected with online so see it for what it is and don't uh, allow the uh, social media industrial complex to suck you in and have you investing in areas that aren't actually real Man, can can I can I jump in on that? Like that that is such a um, a deep perspective that we really need to to hone in on. And you know, like you mentioned, the social media industrial complex. And when you understand how algorithms work, and you understand how things are curated, and your news feed's going to look different from the person next to you's news feed based off of your you know your activities, and not even just your activities on social media. You and I have a conversation offline about some type of shoe later on that day on my social media feed an ad for that shoe is going to pop up. Right. I mean, so and it's such an interesting perspective because, you know, and this is why, you know, I'm kind of old school in the sense of I like to read books with pages and turn pages, <laughs> because when it comes to reading from a technological perspective, if you're connected, there's an opportunity to be influenced by something else. Right. And so to that point a lot of times we're getting to the point in which we're so connected on so many different levels uh, from wearables to this to that to everywhere you go you don't even know if you really take a step back and think about it are the thoughts you have yours because you've been manipulated by so many different things and again some of these things are good right they help make life easier more efficient more effective to do this do that you can get directly to what you're looking for but then on the flip side, when it comes down to just stopping and thinking, even the concept, like we mentioned earlier, identity, who am I? You know, is, is this really who I am? Have I taken time away and disconnected from things to, to dive into that and in prayer, meditation, however, you know, you, you go about that? Or am I being manipulated and I don't even realize it? So yeah. we have to really be, and I think you brought up a really get a big point, especially for our younger generation, because if you're under the age of, 20 you pretty much your whole life has been connected mm -hmm. right yeah. if you stop and you think about it like i mean facebook came out in 2004 twitter uh, uh, instagram was like 2010 the iphone came out in 2007 i mean when you start looking at the time frame this is around the time they were born yeah. right <laughs> and so yeah. now you don't i have half of my life i ain't have this but then this other half i got it so i kind of have this i'm like this hybrid Yes. mix but but that's a very very brilliant point malik that you brought up brother yeah thanks um okay so now that we've discussed this wholeness how does you as a black man discovering tapping into your wholeness how does that affect the wholeness of the black family Ooh, that's uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> mm. You know that's the perfect question. So I'll, I'll jump yes. out there. Uh, so ahead. I actually wrote on it. Uh, yes. Uh, whole brother debunking the myths to break the black family. It's available on most uh, sites online, but uh, most of those vendors are pretty stingy. So if you are interested in, in getting the book, uh, right. please get it from our shop, wholebrothermission.com. Uh, but man, so I think black men's wholeness is tantamount almost parallel to the health of their families so i say confidently if a man father of a home uh is unhealthy it is likely that the family will be unhealthy mm -hmm. if he is indeed healthy it is likely his family will be somewhat healthy uh, so i do think those things tend to parallel uh, and then in the book, I unpack more the nuances of how that looks for a son if that father is one of the four types of fathers. So we address four different types of fathers in the book. The first is the present but distant father. Uh, so that's a father who's physically present in the home but emotionally distant. That has impact on the son, the mom, the daughter, or other family members. Uh, second would be a toxic father. This is a father who is passing on uh, negative behaviors and thoughts. Uh, the third would be the absent father. That's just someone that's just not there at all. And the third I've discussed, oh, the fourth, I'm sorry, is the single mother functioning as a father uh, and the uniqueness of how taking on two different roles can impact the relationships and those around. Um, so I think, uh, it's, it's almost parallel. You really are, you're going to reproduce uh, what you are more often than not. So uh, I, I think it's important to frame it that way. And I would say we need to take our personal wholeness very seriously because I don't think sometimes we understand just how much we impact those in our immediate environment, especially our children and uh, partners. So uh, I think those things always have an impact on those around you whether you realize it or not and I would hope that we get to a point where we begin to see it that way more commonly uh, one of the myths I discuss in the book is this idea that men walk alone and many of us have adopted that mentality so we think that if I'm just focused on me my decisions affect me and it's just about me right. but whether you're focused on you or not your actions decisions and behaviors have implications for other people uh, so I think if we can reframe it that way, it'll get us to a point where we're thinking about all the potential implications for the black family. But we have to first recognize that it starts with us. And yes. I would state it this way for us to understand the weight of it. If you neglect yourself, you're neglecting your family. Mm. <laughs> Man, you, you, if you neglect yourself, you're neglecting your family. You know, um, I did a I did an episode about self-care. And one of the things that I mentioned or one of the things that I talked about was the fact that self-care is not selfish. It's actually selfish to not take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so it literally is a reinforcement to what you um, what you mentioned there. And, and I'm going to be honest, my my grandmother growing up, one of my grandmothers had a quote and she would say association leads to assimilation. Right association leads to assimilation and so in essence she was you know trying to be educated in in her her 
you know, her example of you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Right. Mm -hmm. But if that side is true, the opposite is true as well. You know, you walk with kings, you know, you get some some royal wisdom. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? And so to that point, as black men, if we are whole, if we are walking to walking the walk, we're talking the talk association leads to assimilation. You know, what I'm learning with my eight and my 10 year old is they don't always do what I tell them to do. Right. (laughs) Really? I mean, oh, my goodness. They they don't always do what I tell them to do. Mm -hmm. But it was so interesting. One day I was coming in and I had my little podcast thing set up on the, uh, the table and I walked in the door and both of them had the mic and they were doing my intro verbatim to my podcast. And so it was so such an interesting perspective when you really think about how they don't always do what they're told, but there's a very high probability or high likelihood that they replicate what they see. And so if they see me fussing with my wife all the time, then they start to form an image in their mind that, oh, I'm supposed to argue with my spouse all the time. But if they see me loving my spouse, if they see me, okay, mama, you know, daddy takes mama in the room and closes and locks the door. We know we need to go and get on Netflix for a little bit. You know, they understand that those are components to the whole marriage thing, but we're modeling what this thing is supposed to be. And so for me, mm-hmm. it's, in, it's, it's imperative that I be the best version of myself. But then the other part, it goes back to what we said earlier about perfection not being a requirement for greatness. I also want them to see that daddy's not perfect. Yep. Because from a generational perspective, you know, we grew up, I'm 40, I'll be 42 this year. You know, we grew, I grew up in the whole notion of, you know, do as I say, not always as I do, do as you're told. We talk about grown folk stuff, you get out of here, right? But I don't then get a chance to understand that, you know, grown people go through things. So what ends up happening is inadvertently, we put people on pedestals, right? Mm-hmm. Only to, when you grow up, find out that they're not perfect. And then everything comes crumbling down and you're just like, whoa my image of this patriarch or this matriarch in my family has just been completely, you know, disrupted. But the reality is we have to show them the full scope of who we are, but we have to be in constant improvement to be the best version of who we are. Because again, they don't always do what they're told, but there's a high probability that they'll replicate what they see. So I think it's, it's extremely important. And, you know, and as we go, our families go, I mean, that is, I mean, statistics and data, you know, will show you that, you know, throughout history. Yeah. And can I add something to that? Yeah. Uh, I've, I want to go a bit deeper because I've observed exactly what you said, Mike. And it, it was in a a previous uh, interview I did where the host brought it out. Uh, He was older than I and we were talking, but we were on the same page, but he pointed out, he said, you know, some of the things you wrote in this book, I do think certain generations of, black people may be uncomfortable with and i was Mm. like why and something he brought out is he and he was able to parse this in a way that i couldn't have up until the point where he phrased it for me he said you know because of racism and jim crow and things of that nature there was a generation of black people who in response to that they only wanted certain images of black people put out the best Mm -hmm. of the best Mm -hmm. and in light of the history it makes sense right Mm -hmm. but the the downside of it is it somewhat created an unrealistic standard. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the generation that came later felt like, well, you guys were only showing the good, but mm. you're downplaying and lying and hiding about the bad. Mm. So now you have this generational clash of we want good images of black people to be put out there versus mm-hmm. we want the truth. Mm-hmm. And they're clashing because the younger generation is saying you weren't being transparent. Ooh. 
So I think that that is uh, an element to this that we have to be tr truthful about. And that's why I'm glad you said, Mike, yes, I want to be the best example, but I'm glad I'm seeing more and more examples of black parents apologizing too, mm -hmm. because that has been the clash. It's like, you're not giving them the whole picture mm -hmm. and where, what you choose to show and what venue you choose to show it is up to you. But I do think we need to seek to strike this balance of uh, putting your best foot forward, representing your community well, while also having a level of transparency, too, so that the younger generation doesn't think that the grown folks or the older people are just lying. Mm hmm. That's it. Dude, you 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 drops man that is such a, a poignant example and it makes me go back to we have a friend when i was growing up and she was you know an asian immigrant and one of the things you know you had the stereotypes of oh everybody's great in math and everybody's great in science and all y'all are doctors and you know whatever and she pulled us to the side and she said um if you go back to my home country everybody's not smart everybody's not mm -hmm. a doctor everybody's not a genius in math only the best of the best are over here so therefore you don't get the full scope of who we are and it was like this aha moment but it literally speaks to what you just mentioned there and but i can also get because of the african-american experience when the pendulum is on one side our natural tendency is to swing it all the, the way over to the other mm -hmm. and so we're you know now it's we're all kings and queens and we're all you know, came from wealth and we came from abundance and we came from this. But the reality is, yes, there were some that were kings, queens, chiefs and, you know, came from royalty. But then there were some that were at the very lowest socioeconomic strata of that particular culture. And we have to make sure we lay it all out. But the problem is, historically speaking, it was just the low socioeconomic strata that got the attention and we didn't highlight the kings and queens. Right. And so it's just the pendulum swing swinging. But now that we know better, we have to do better and tell the full story. Was it Chimamanda Adichie, the danger of the single story? You know, we have to be very, you know, uh, attuned to understanding that there are multiple stories, multiple perspectives, and we need to make sure that truth is what we lead with. But then, you know, I change the narrative. I think that's so just an, an, an amazing title because we need to be focused on changing the narrative, but changing the narrative through truth. Right. Right. So how do we change the narrative as far as this idea of whole black men and whole black families? What are some of the myths that as black men, what are those myths that need to be changed? Yeah, um, again, <laughs> I think the book would, would be a great resource to unpack it more, but let's start here. Uh, one myth that I wrote about was the idea that emotions are feminine. Mm. Uh, that, I think, holds a lot of black men hostage, and it robs us of our humanity and that emotions are for humans, not just women or females. Uh, and with that, it's not even that we believe that emotions are just for women. It's that we only believe that we are permitted to show the emotion of anger. Mm. That's the only one that fits within a paradigm of masculinity. Anything else is sub-masculine. Mm -hmm. um, we don't say it this way, but this is how it looks in practice. And I would argue that we uphold that as men, but also women have upheld that paradigm as well. You think about maybe grandma telling the little boy, boys don't cry mm -hmm. when he fell off his bike. Mm -hmm. Or you think about in a relationship, if, if it's a 
male and a female, a male struggling at work, he comes home to talk about it. But when he talks about his bad day, he's just, she says he's just complaining. Mm. Stop complaining or, or man up. So these things, while I get the idea behind it, we want to produce, quote, strong men. The damage that's done is you end up with uh, men functioning in a subhuman or superhuman way that robs them of, of that, that vulnerability. And it ends up hurting and breaking black families. How so? Uh, a common thing with us, uh, with the whole brother mission, we're connecting men with, with counselors and therapists, but a lot of times the people that come to us to get these men in counseling are their partners, their, their, or their mom, a woman in their life, a, a mom, sister, spouse, girlfriend, fiance. Uh, oftentimes the spouses will say, talking to him is like talking to a brick wall. I just can't get anything out of him. I can't get him to open up. I'm trying to get him to be transparent with me. Trust me. But once again, this misguided notion about how we filter our emotions, we've kind of built our life around that. So when you get married later in life or in a relationship, he's already learned to suppress that and tuck that away. So trying to get that out of him, which for that woman may be the height of intimacy, he has no context for that. But again... Uh, these misguided notions about masculinity are what put us in mm. that position and it ends up coming to to bite uh, us in the end. Brother, you, you dropped a bar. That's like straight mic drop. Like, because the thing, the thing that's interesting though is we then allow society to dictate how we're supposed to react and act, right? right. And it, it's, it's an interesting perspective or interesting phenomenon because I think it also ties back into, you know, like you mentioned, social media and how like the algorithms and all these different intentions and things like that get put out there. And now you start to create these social norms of what being a man is supposed to be, right? Or what being a woman is supposed to be. And at times we need to come back and push back on that because who created that particular social norm? Who said that's what you're supposed to do? And when you look in the mirror, is that you? because we're all wonderfully made, right? We're, but we're all individuals. Yeah, we might have characteristics that are similar, but I'm wired differently than you and differently than the next brother, right? And so we have to be, a, you know, fully understand who we are so that we can approach it right. And the other part to it is when it comes to emotions, um, you know, I, I think about emotions from the standpoint of we're, we all have them, we have them for a reason. We're wired with emotions for a reason. But I also look at the, the other side to it where it's you know emotions are like kids where you have them and they're supposed to be there you love them you embrace them but you also can't let them run the party either you can't let them control the house and i think it's like that balance of getting the proper training so i mean i'm so appreciative of, of the work that you're doing because you're helping brothers to then get a way to manage those emotions like lean into them but you got to manage them it's like i have a, I had a brother on my podcast about a year ago and we were interviewing and he was just like you know if you're going to lead at a high level you need to have a therapist a mentor and a coach if you don't have those three things in the mix you're going to struggle leading at the highest level and this brother's coach brothers from all over the world and i stopped in the middle of the interview and said this isn't for the audience this is for me i needed that because again when you stop and you think about it mm -hmm. we have these things we have these tools but what good are the tools if you don't know how to use them? 
right? right. Or if you just let the tools run rampant, you know, it just it's not going to be a great scenario. So, so yeah, I think that emotional understanding, uh, but also being able to lean into your emotions is extremely important. But we have to be careful not to let our emotions control us. Mm-hmm. And I'll just add in terms of that you can't deal with those emotions properly or difficult Mm. life circumstances properly if you are distracted constantly distracting yourself Mm. so another myth i discuss is the idea that distractions are myths i'm sorry that uh distractions are solutions Mm. um and specifically there were three just and i know i'm probably gonna step on some toes with this but i know (laughs) how our our brothers are uh weed Mm. alcohol and sex Mm. um are vices for many and are used to distract from the main issue Mm. and this it's only a temporary fix because when you come down from the high or when you sober up or when the sexual experience is over that issue that raw emotion whatever is still there and i unfortunately see an overwhelming number of of brothers that use those things to get through life and never actually deal with the root issue so i think we also have to yes enjoy your life have fun and buy you know do do your thing but the issue is moderation and i see a level to which it's gone even you know teenagers starting super early smoking Mm -hmm. or drinking Mm -hmm. early to get away from uh traumatic life experiences you know Mm. why, why does a 14 year old need to 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 smoke weed after after ninth grade mm-hmm. you know but i think because it's just so normal it's in the music yes. it's in the culture it's in the community yes. no one asks these questions mm-hmm. so I, I bring this up to say that it's hard to even get to the point of mm-hmm. dealing with those emotions and acknowledging them if you're altering your brain chemistry constantly with distractions so let's get to the point where uh, I, I think most of us agree with the idea of men. Uh, for those that adhere to the idea of masculinity, masculinity will be associated with uh, being intentional, assertive, rather than passive. Mm. I don't think we're acknowledging how passive it is to distract yourself with substances rather than dealing with issues that are right in front of you. If someone's breaking into your home, mm to injure your family um, we would applaud the guy that goes directly to the intruder yet we've normalized in our culture people that are avoiding all kinds of issues with substances like alcohol or weed or any or another drug or, or sex man can I can I jump on that because you literally you hit the nail on the head and it's not always the activity it's the why behind the activity yeah. right and so like you mentioned like you know weed or alcohol or sex or whatever you have to ask yourself why right because if you're using it as an escape it's always going to be negative i don't care how legal it is or how you know how non-negative it is on your overall health or whatever if you're using it as an escape it's always going to be negative and i'll even give a personal example you know um like when i was in college i remember i had a buddy who every time something went wrong he was like man let's run to the liquor store like, man, let's run to the li- Every time something went wrong, you got a parking ticket. Man, let's run right. to the liquor store. You know, some yep. girl issue. Man, let's run to the liquor store. It was always that. And it was like, for me, it was like clicking. It's like, okay, I like to go, you know, imbibe when we about to go hang out. 
but I ain't trying to go drink because I'm mad. You know, that, that right. just didn't, it didn't register to me. And what's interesting, it goes back to these societal norms. I want you to think about this. Mm-hmm. Whenever you look at a movie or a television show or anything, and you can go back for the last 50 or 60 years, what is the typical scene after a breakup? Where is it? A the bar, a, bar. a bar, or a lady sitting around, a bottle of wine and a gallon of ice cream, crying or whatever, a club or whatever. You stop and you think it's just like you start getting these seeds planted that if something goes wrong, this I'm supposed to go drink. Right. Oh, I'm having a bad day at work. I'm supposed to go drink. I had a tough day. I need a drink. And I'll even tell you on a personal level for me, again, like I'm not anti-drink. I, I have me a drink every so often. We'll turn up every so often. But I, you won't hear me ever say that I need a drink. See, right. that it's, it's like little little nuances yep. because you start planting these seeds. And then over time, it's like, okay, that's my go-to. Oh, I need a drink. Or if weed is legal wherever you are, you're like, dog, I need a joint. Oh, man, I need a blunt. Oh, I need a, need a hit. Whatever. You start going in that particular direction when you start using that language. But a lot of times that has been subconsciously planted into us that that's just what you're supposed to do. When you have a bad day, you're supposed to go drink. You're supposed to go meet your boys at the bar turn up you know get it out your system she just broke up with you okay y'all supposed to go turn up and like you mentioned sex i'm supposed to go find me somebody tonight at the bar who can go home with me and make me feel good or whatever i mean it's interesting these societal norms get put inside of us and sometimes the activities are not overly negative it's just the fact that we really have to address the why behind it and be conscious enough to say you know what i'm upset i don't need to drink or you know, I'm having a challenge. I don't need to go in this environment where I'm going to be propositioned by, you know, some suitors. You know, I mean, you have to be honest about that and control yourself. And again, I think that's part of being a mature whole man is having self-control. You know, when and I, I didn't speak about it, but when I do personal development coaching, the overall goal is capacity and self-control. I want you to be dangerous but have self-control. You know, you think about the lioness, right? The lion, she just ripped a wildebeest, you know, 800-pound wildebeest up. But then after she finished doing that, she goes and picks her cubs up gently and carries them across the savannah, right? She's She's got capacity, right? She's dangerous, but she's also got self-control. And that's where we have to be when it comes to whole men. Whole men, we got capacity. Like, it's not that we can't do something. We just got self-control. Mm-hmm. And the misunderstanding is that we need to be that lion on the attack all the time. But you have to know when to be what based off of who you're dealing with. Because your your daughter doesn't need a thug. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come <laughs> you on. Know? Come on. So we need to know who to be in, in what setting as well. Come on. Right, right. And how how do you know who to be how, how do you identify I should be this at one moment, I should be that at one another moment. How do you do that? You yeah. have to pay it. Oh, go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. You know, it's like, um, and, and you have to also know yourself. So being by yourself and spending time with yourself are two different things, right? Um, okay. So being so being by yourself, you know, that's just you sitting there wasting time, yada, 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 doing your thing. But spending time with yourself, you're paying attention. You know, when I'm sitting with my wife and I'm spending time with my wife, I'm paying attention. I'm understanding nuances. I know what turns her on, what turns her off when she's saying, get off of me. When she's saying, come on, you know what I'm saying? I'm understanding 
all of these things because I'm paying attention to her. And so when I do that same thing with myself and I fully understand what I'm capable of, how I need to move, then I can start from a position of, okay, I know the full scope of what I'm capable of. So now in this situation, I'm paying attention. I'm aware. I'm listening. I'm picking up on cues. And you understand that sometimes you need to turn up. Sometimes you need to turn down. Sometimes you need to be protector. Sometimes you just need to be the person who sits there and holds. Right. I mean, it's you, you have to have that. It's like the emotions. We got it all. We want to have a full tool chest. We want to have everything at our disposal. We just want to have the intuition and the wisdom to know when to pull which tool out. And right. for that, we have to know who we are first so that we're you know capable. But then on the flip side, we have to pay attention and be situationally aware as to what's going on. And sometimes that means we got to put stuff down and just open our eyes and pay attention. Yeah. And I'll just say it from this perspective. Uh, because I know where we tend to lean and where we don't tend to put emphasis, I'll just say that I don't think any relationship in your life, whether it's your homeboy, your daughter, your spouse, your mom, dad, I don't think any relationship would be negatively impacted by you listening more. I don't think any relationship would be negatively impacted by you investing time. Let's, let's talk about women. You would benefit from investing time and your ear and energy into women outside of the ones that you want to sleep with. Right. Because there's a benefit to platonic female relationships. Yes. Uh, friends. Um, I think I'll end this one. Our friendships, this is uh, in the book as well, a communication pyramid. And talks about um, relation, uh, communication uh, and, and male friendships. And with the pyramid at the top, uh, most of us kind of hang out at the top with sharing cliches mm. yeah. uh, but you got cliches mm. you got facts mm -hmm. then you got opinions then you got feelings and then at the bottom you got full transparency sharing who you are mm. and in our friendships a lot of times we hang up at top with just sharing cliches and facts mm. uh, some people that go to church might say hey how you doing Blessed and highly favored. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the facts, the facts. Yeah. Uh, the, the Patriots lost the game last night. We're just sharing mm -hmm. facts. You know, and right. our friendships. You could be friends 10, 15 years and you're still only sharing cliches and facts. Mm -hmm. I think the investment to go deeper, even in our friendships, will benefit us, benefit us in that regard as well. Um, not just in that relationship, but in, in all relationships. That's good. That's deep. So... I have one last thing that I would like for you to um, share with the gentleman. If you could share one thing with black men about wholeness and its importance to black families, what would that be? I know we said a lot, but one major nugget that you would like to share with our listeners. Uh, for me, it would be... Uh... this mix of taking families seriously and self-control i say that because and this is a whole nother episode but i think we've been preconditioned to associate manhood with lack of sexual self-control mm. so if you want it go after it and that's just a part of being a man no no because yeah. I, I, I cut off a little Cut bit. out? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was saying we associate 
we associate lack of sexual self-control with manhood and masculinity. So if you desire someone sexually, you just go after it, no barriers, no barometers, no thinking involved. And then we deal with the implications later where someone has a child with a person that they're not even compatible with, and that's not setting the child up for success. So I think we need to reframe how we think manhood and don't just associate, well, this is just how I am, just being a man. Well, no, I think we should also have a level of control of our sexual desires rather than letting them control us and then us complaining about the aftermath of our decisions later. Baby mama's crazy, child support. These are all complaints that come after the decision mm -hmm. was made to create this family that you or she or whomever may not have been prepared for. So, and I think the excuse on why that continues to happen is we subconsciously believe, well, that was just me being a man. Mm. And I would argue that's not me being a man. That's me being a child. That's me lacking discipline. Yes. That's me being immature. So yes. I do think we have to flip those uh, ideals on their head that uh, men need to control their sexual desires, manage them better, mm -hmm. uh, but also um, take serious the implications of those decisions. So let's just say you already have a child and you may not be on the best of terms with the child's other parent. Um, it is very important for you guys to get on the same page, not for the sake of rekindling your relationship, but understanding the impact of your relationship and communication on the development of that child. Right. Um, most rappers that I hear rapping about traumatic experiences, using substances to get through life, and even if they're not a rapper, people in my personal life, clients that come through, one thing that is always there is when you see someone that's had somewhat of a destructive life path, there's almost always some type of familial parental issue, whether it be somebody wasn't there, somebody was abusive. So I don't think we're taking seriously enough as well, after the family's created, how you have to set that child up for success. You are their parents. And they're not just an additional party. They're not just an additional bill. They do eventually become adults and make their own decisions. But their ability to navigate through life in a healthy way is very heavily dependent on the foundation that you set. So taking sexual discipline uh, seriously, but also taking families and our impacts on our children seriously. Mm. That's good. My, uh, my one thing would really be about having are really encouraging and empowering brothers to be intentional about greatness in the present moment. And, but also thinking about greatness through the lens of perfection is not a requirement for greatness. So if we can get brothers to be intentional about, you know what, I want to be great in the moment. And so what does this moment need? This moment needs me to, you know, spend time throwing the ball with my little boy, or this moment needs me to sit here and play you know, dress up with a little girl, or this moment needs me and my wife to take a walk around the neighborhood. This moment needs me to go exercise and drop a couple of pounds. This moment needs me to, instead of getting a fried chicken, get a salad right now. You know what I'm saying? Whatever this moment needs for us to step into each moment with the intentionality of being great, but also giving ourselves the grace and space to understand that perfection is not a requirement for greatness. I think if you start with that, if you start with the will 
everything is possible. When you think about the concept of why do diets not work, people don't have the will to stick to them, right? Everybody knows what you need to do. You know what you need to eat. Every, oh, let me get a food plan. Like, dude, you know what you need to eat. Turn that stuff away and eat this. You just don't have the will to do it. You know, why do a lot of things not succeed? We don't have the will for them to succeed. We're not intentional about being great in this specific moment. The other thing is with the moment, being present. You know, what's happened has already happened. Tomorrow's not promised. The next five minutes is not promised. All we have is this specific moment. What are we doing in this moment? Am I being intentional about being great in this moment? If I made mistakes in the past, I'm going to apologize for them. Yesterday is done. But right now, being intentional about greatness in the moment and continuously doing that over and over and over and over again. It's like, forget trying to win the Super Bowl. Let's just win this game. Or forget even winning this game. Let's win this play, right? Forget the whole play. I'm going to win my responsibility on this particular play. And guess what? That adds to everything that we need to do. So if if we can get brothers to hyper-focus on being intentional about being great in the moment and remembering that perfection is not a requirement for greatness, everything else is water under the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, that is our time. But before we go, tell our listeners how they can connect with you. Sure. Uh, if you're interested in, 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 if you're in any of the 50 states uh, or DC, uh, you can be connected with a therapist if you're in need um, by visiting wholebrothermission.com, W-H-O-L-E brothermission.com and clicking the get help tab. And we can help you if you're insured or uninsured and while our primary area of focus is black men, if you need a referral for a, a therapist or a counselor, we can help you out. A couple sessions are available, sessions with your son, friend, anything you need, uh, all those options are available. Uh, our social media handles, uh, Instagram, at Whole Brother Mission, uh, Facebook, Whole Brother Mission. And for me personally, it's my name, Malik Blade, just as you see it on here, or Twitter, uh, as well as Instagram. Awesome, man. Um, well, for me, you can follow Black Fathers Now on Instagram. Uh, if you're li- you listen to podcasts, subscribe to Black Fathers Now anywhere you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Black Fathers Now as well as my YouTube channel. And definitely come check us out. Listen to some of the conversations. You know, 235 episodes. Episode 235 drops on Monday dynamic brothers from all over the world wide-ranging experiences we've had therapists we've had you know grammy award-winning artists we've had coaches we i mean sports agents everything that you can think of across the board we've had brothers come and share their experiences some are fathers some aren't but they have a story that could lead to you thinking about life a little bit differently and taking something from that and applying it to your life so that you can start today with the intentionality of being great. And so definitely Black Fathers Now, anywhere you get your podcast and, um, you know, check me out. And, you know, we got some more stuff coming down the pipe. Yes. Thank you for allowing me to showcase your stories, for doing your part in changing the narrative. And lastly, for keeping your commitment by being a part of the show. That means a lot to me. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know. We would love to shout you out and post your comments. If you or someone you know is changing the narrative, please contact us at ichangethenarrative at gmail.com. We would love to share your story. Meet us here next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys.